0: So welcome to Runners on Trail, the trail running podcast by Midpack Runners. For Midpack Runners, I'm Anthony. And I'm Thane. And in this episode, we're going to talk about the things we'd wish we'd known before our first ultra. This is Runners on Trail, episode 28.
1: Runners on Trail. So, look, welcome back to Runners on Trail. And I know it's boring, and I know we've said it before, and I'm probably end up saying it again. Sorry we haven't been back for a bit. This time, it's my fault. Because Fame was doing an edit. I didn't think he'd done the edit, but he'd done it and left it in Dropbox, and I've been sat waiting for it. So the reason the last episode took ages to come out was mostly Thane's fault but a little bit of my fault <laughs> uh, and, uh, or or the other way around maybe maybe maybe, maybe a mixture of the two well, well i know let's be fair there were a lot of technical problems
0: with the last episode which we won't yeah. bore people with um
1: but and, there we go and, the, so and look, the
0: less the technical lesson is that even though we've got separate podcast um recorders when we're running um running socially distanced we had one each um, and funny old thing, they don't keep the same time. They haven't got the exact same time, have they? Uh, they kind of, the the cheap recorders we're using kind of drift. Um, uh, I'd, I'd say yours is
1: a cheap recorder. Mine, my new expensive recorder, is pretty, it was not cheap at all. Uh,
0: it took about uh, there you go. Oh, hours and hours of detective work to stitch it all back together again. Nightmare.
1: Yeah. So in this episode, we're going to do things we wish we would known before our first ultra. And one of our listeners, Louise Russell, pinged us a message and asked if we'd have a chat about that and I think it's someone we've talked about doing an episode on this for ages and just never got around to it yeah time to do it now especially as we're sort of in the middle of the season maybe people have got ultras coming up at the end of this running season building up towards their first ultras and so maybe a good thing to do and I guess for me the first thing I think we should talk about is the fact that and it's kind of obvious isn't it an ultra trail run is not a non-ultra road run
0: they're very different <laughs> and not a non ultra yeah yeah (laughs) or not a not a road run yeah yeah not a road run and not an ultra run
1: so you'll have done all of these things before you know probably you'll have run long distances but not ultra distances necessarily on road if you're going to do your first ultra but running on a trail and doing an ultra is very different and so in the same way as when you go from half marathon to marathon and you the step up isn't just doubling it's the effort level involved in doing those is more than double. The same is true when you step up probably from marathon to ultra and doing it on a trail. That extra, say, four miles to make it a, what I would consider to be a proper ultra, anything over 30 miles, 50K, k—it does. it's not just an extra four miles. It feels like a lot more effort than that. And you've got to train for that extra effort, but also make sure you've trained on trail. Because I think one of the mistakes that I think i've made in the past i know is doing too much road training and not enough trail training and that conditioning in your legs
0: is really important so it's 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 partly a fact that an extra four miles after 26 really hurts but but also probably the bigger factor is it's it's not going to be on roads you're going to be muddy fields styles rough ground whatever it's all that extra stuff on top just that makes it tougher yeah, and as you said and the technicality of the terrain,
1: which leads us maybe on to a, a second but complementary point, in that trail races are very different. You know, road running is road running, I think, and unless it's a really hilly road run, you kind of know what to expect when you go to do a road race. Yes, you know, t- tarmac is. I'm sure I'll have someone ping me back. Go, tarmac's <laughs> not all the same. <laughs> But, but in my head, relatively, it is. I've never run a road race and gone, oh, wow, this tarmac's very different. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Whereas, you know, if I compare trail races like the Heart of Wales Ultra that I did a couple of years ago, lovely, really runnable, really good trails, and I compare that with something like Transfacarnia or Squamish, where the trails are really technical at some points, you know, that makes a huge difference to your race. And training for the race and conditions you're going to be in, I think is really important.
0: Yeah. And not always, but quite often the, the amount of climb you have to do is, is, is huge um, compared to uh, a road race. Correct. Um, I mean, uh, you know, like chalk and cheese. I know there are flat ultras and stuff like that, but, but by and large, there tends to be a fair chunk of climb in it, which you'd never get in a, in a road race. Yeah. And as you go through
1: the race and get more tired, those differences become more apparent and affect you more, which I guess leads me on to my next point, which is train for the last third of the race, not the first two thirds, because that's the element where it's really going to affect you uh, the differences and where you're going to really hurt. It's that same thing that we, I think we've touched on before that I heard once, which was, you know, a marathon is 42 kilometers So you could say halfway is 21 kilometers, but it's not really. It's at 31 kilometers because that last bit of effort is probably half the effort. That last 10, 11 kilometers in a marathon you use half the effort you did, you know, that you did to get you to the the 31 kilometers. Mm. I don't know about you, but that's how it feels. You know, if I think about some of the races we've done, you know, my most recent race, which was the trail marathon. And the first half went brilliantly. And the second half was torture and it just shows how you know two halves of a race can really affect you but training for that second half training for the tough bit rather than training for the first bit and i think that's compounded that the need to do that the longer you run yeah the longer the race is the the more you need to train for the end of it rather than just for the beginning of it
0: can i also add that i think no no (laughs) you can't i'm going God. to i'm going to I force my force my foot in it people will be approaching their first ultra with slightly different expectations there will obviously be people who are are wanting to try and run it all like they're transitioning from road they're normally completing marathons and they're wanting to run most of it and there'll be people who are doing it because they don't really they're not really being interested necessarily in road marathons and they want to do it for the experience and and they, they want to do something different something bit of an adventure so you know, it's, it's quite normal for, A, people to walk up, up hills in ultras. Um, so don't be shocked by that at all. Uh, walk every hill. Walk, you, walk every hill. Yeah, you can take on food. You can take on water. It's the normal kind of done thing. Obviously, if it's a shallow hill. People quite often run them. But, you know, if if it's reasonable steep, everyone walks pretty much. Um, use the opportunity to do other things. But also, a lot of people will be walking at the end of a of, of an ultra as well. So whilst we say train for the last third, it's not necessarily that with that if you if you're not running, you're doing something wrong. Um, a lot of people will be struggling. They'll be kind of jog walking, is what I kind of describe it, won't they? They'll be jogging for five minutes, walking for a bit, you know, jogging for a couple of minutes, you know, just doing whatever they can to get to the end. So Managing your expectations that 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 is kind of almost the norm, you know. In don't expect or don't have the vision in your head that everyone. If you're not running it, you're not doing it. That's not true.
1: I, I know. I think you're absolutely right. I think that's a really good point. Plays into what I was saying about train for it as you're going to run it in the practice running and walking because you probably will end up doing some of that. And there's nothing wrong with that, as you said. And I think when you end up doing it sometimes in a race, it can feel oh, you're just, I'm going too slow. But if you're used to doing it. It doesn't feel so bad once you've got used to doing that.
0: Yeah. I mean, everyone tries to run as, as much as they can because they want, you know, want to complete it and then maybe bring it to an end as soon as possible. Well, time on your feet matters. I'll be
1: controversial here. There is a bit of me that says, you know, you can't compare runners running 100 miles who can do 100 miles in 15 hours with runners who it takes 30 hours for because you could say, well, they've both run 100 miles. They, you know, Their effort level is the same. It's not because you can do a 100-mile race starting at 8 in the morning, and if you can run it in 15 hours, you're going to be finished by 11 o'clock at night. Yeah. yeah you're finished in in the in the sort of standard circadian rhythm of a day for a human body. If you're taking 30 hours... You've got to go through the night, sleep deprivation, everything else. So, controversially, I think if you're comparing runners doing races, you need to compare the amount of time it takes they're running for. Yeah. So, in the amount of uh, a runner who can run 100 miles in 15 hours will take a mid packer who runs for 15 hours. And at the end of that 15 hours, compare them both. Yeah. And that's a much more, I don't know, I don't, maybe I've gone on topic
0: a bit. No, no, but no, not I mean, at all. And, and I, think, I think that's respected by a lot of the pro runners so like courtney dewater and, and people and other runners you know they hang around at the finish lines to cheer everyone over you know wait for the last runner and, and they're quite often say well you know well, this is where the race is kind of in their heads is really at kind of thing yes they've so got the people at the front but the people at the back have been grinding it out for almost twice as long oh well, we've talked about this haven't we that the, the race is at the front but the the story of the event
1: is in the mid pack and at the back
0: yeah yeah you know because you've just spent twice as long on your feet you you're obviously you know no disrespect to any of us including ourselves we're not as fit as them but you've spent more time you've you've actually expelled probably um you know far more calories uh, and you've had to manage onboarding uh energy in a more depleted state in a more tired state so you've just had to manage more Stuff.
1: Well, which leads us on, I think, brilliantly to aid stations and food and aid station discipline in an yeah. ultra. And I think the one thing that we both know, and I'm not saying that we are the best at doing it, but it's a really, we're here to tell people what they should do, not necessarily to copy out <laughs> um, or to think about what they should do, is eat as much as you can as early as you can. So the bottom line is uh, that your body will start to do what it can. To keep you going, and that involves your body a lot of the time. Taking blood from non-essential areas of your body into those areas that it needs. In other words, taking the blood from say your stomach to your legs to enable you to keep running later in the race when you get tired and, and when you're when you're pushing yourself. And at that point, there will come a time where you probably won't be able to eat anymore. And if you haven't eaten as much as you can early, you'll lose all your energy. On top of which, of course. If you are eating and your stomach is working, your body is less likely to take the blood from it because it's actually operating and doing what it's supposed to do. So, eat as much solid food as you can early because by the end of it all you'll be able to do is take on liquids probably in gels and bits of fruit Yeah,
0: and, and also eat early because you will start to run out of energy otherwise obviously your body's only got so much energy it can store in, in fast accessible easy places and marathon runners you know the wall is a well known thing and you know people being able to push the wall back by taking on energy but mainly in an ultra you will hit it because you just can't take on enough energy to, to keep pushing that wall back but when you start eating, the sooner you start eating and taking on some food as best you can, it allows you to, to manage that when it kind of arrives. And you you really are then your body's having to spend a lot more energy getting energy out of fat stores, and you just you, that, that's that's when you just feel drained because most of your energy is retrieving energy rather than actually converting it to forward locomotion. Yeah,
1: but of course the flip side of all of that is that you can spend a lot of time if you're not getting is your your water bottle nice and squeaky there (laughs) i let it out (laughs) (laughs) but yeah so the problem is that you can spend a lot of time in aid stations if you're not careful so the thing to think about is that you shouldn't need really to spend more than two minutes in an aid station if you walk in with your bottles open, or at least the lid off of one of your bottles, get them filled up with water, grab some food, stick it in your mouth, and then grab another handful of food and walk out. That's probably what you need to do, because you probably can't take on more food than that anyway. It, yeah. it, each aid station, So two minutes is probably the bogey time that most people I think should be looking for to be in and out of an aid station. And unless you're doing something that's really, really long, you know like a 100 miler or the spine i think so which are clearly different but if you're doing you know 100 mile and you want to sit down for 10 minutes every two hours do you know what that's fine because you, you're going to be on your feet for 24 probably but for most ultra races you want to be in and out as quick as you can and don't yeah. get trapped in the aid stations
0: i think yes to two minutes might be might be i know if you're doing it you know as a be doing it a lot and you've got your routines well managed two minutes is is a good good target but it is it's certainly something i've been getting better and better at and certainly when you look it's only when you start to measure it you realize how much time you spend in aid stations when you start you're just like oh i'm just going to run to the next aid station oh thank god i'm here and you you kind of you know take your time as if it's almost like a stage race but it isn't the clock's still running and you don't have to be you know you're surprising how quickly the time adds up And then all of a sudden, people you'd pass just kind of almost like, you know, slowly jogging back past you. It's like the hair in the Toitus, isn't it? And I I agree. It's kind of like, well, grab the things you and and do what you need to do, which you can't do when you're walking, which might include a bit of foot maintenance. That's clearly not going to. It's going to take far more than two minutes, but important. it's a separate point. But if you're just grabbing food and going. Yeah, don't don't try and treat it as a place where you can sit down and, and and chill for five ten minutes. Um, you're wasting so much time. Do what you want. Need to fill up your water bottles. That's the bit that takes the time. Grab some food. Well, normally people will help you do that, but then grab food and just walk. Yes, that's the key. I think is is don't think you have to do everything stationary. Run out, do what you need, and then and you'll see it on UTMB with the pro runners, won't they? They'll they'll walk out some of them for the first x hundred yards. Yep, uh, and that's because you're still you know you're walking at like half your running speed you know and it doesn't take long for people if you just watch them leaving an aid station and they're walking they'll be you know you look down and you look back up again and they're like 500 yards down the track kind of thing Uh, and they're getting their legs working again and stuff like that there's loads of benefits to walking out with a handful of food and just kind of you know chewing it for the first 500 yards or whatever absolutely
1: the next thing i guess for me is that the longer you race the more weird stuff happens to your body and your mind. You know, I mean, you you can expect things to happen to you in an ultra race. I think that you wouldn't necessarily expect to happen in a road race. You might have some really weird stomach issues, for example, that might involve you can't eat anything, lots of stomach cramps, massive diarrhea, all sorts of weird stuff that can happen to you. And then as you start to go into longer and longer races, your brain starts to play a big factor and so I think once you're hitting the sort of, you know, 24 hour type races, then you're talking about uh, illusions or um, hallucinations or whatever you want to call them, mm. uh, especially at night with, you know, the, the, the way that you, your head torch might move around and plays tricks and you start seeing weird stuff. So, again, some of those things are quite hard to train for because you you're not going to run for 24 hours to put yourself in that place to practice, I don't think. No. But it's again to be aware that those things happen and therefore plan accordingly. So, for example, you know, I always carry toilet paper on an ultra race, even if it's only a 30 mile an hour, you know, because I just don't know what my body's going to do. It very yeah. rarely attacks me in the way that yours sometimes does. <laughs> see <laughs> Only on one. See, see episode one for further <laughs> gruesome details. Um, that was particularly bad. <clears throat> yeah. Um, yeah, it's something to think about is that your body will react in I think a more aggressive way towards you, the more you try and push it to do things that it potentially doesn't want to do.
0: Yeah, and I think it's for that one for me. And when you watch, there's lots of videos online, isn't there of you know good runners who've been filming and and when they fall apart, um it's normally because they just over pushing it tends to be. It's not always, is it? But quite often it's like over pushing it, high heat, just keep going, too determined, and things just go wrong.
1: Yeah, but, which I guess leads on to that bit of you know if you think about your 5k pace your best 5k pace and then your best 10k pace and your best half marathon pace and your best marathon pace realize that you know reduction in your pace per kilometer over those events 5k to 10k to half marathon to marathon will continue at at least the same pace if not a greater pace into an ultra marathon and so and i know we'll, we'll say this and when we're not good at it and people won't do it because no one a lot of people don't but going out easy early is much better at a pace you can sustain but then starting quick and and fading badly at the end and having your end of your run in torture and we've got the saying that we've had for almost since day one which is target your inner Jamil if you watch videos of Jamil Khoury running you know and he just starts off in things like hard rock hundreds of jogging Going, here we go i'm gonna eat a mashed potato burrito and off and everyone's piling past him and he's just jogging yeah at the end of the race he's jogging at exactly the same pace
0: and he's in the top 10 because everyone else has just yeah formed apart that that video i would recommend people watch it's really eye-opening isn't it he's literally almost at the back of the field at the start and yeah. at the, uh, and at the end, he's in, I think I'm 10th or something, doesn't he? But yeah, that's a, that's almost like a must watch, I think for, for how to run it. And, and I can see similar things. I mean, the, I think you're saying, Anthony, that, that it's kind of like, you know, the deterioration in your pace will continue past the marathon. It's not like you can continue at marathon pace forever. No, it's going to keep dropping. That curve's going to keep dropping. And I, and I, and I say, see the same in the spine race and, you know, okay, I've benefited having done it twice the, the summer and the winter, but, but, coming back to the winter i know it's not exactly the same race but you know i know the train in the distance and you can see it in lots of people they come up with the you know all the hundreds mile t-shirts and stuff like that and it's written in their face and you know i understand it i'm not you know i was probably there myself when i did the summer one it's like oh i can do a 100 miles in like hmm, 28 hours oh this is only like two and a half hundred milers oh i could beat the record you know it's written all over their face and they start and and you suddenly realise that two hundred and sixty eight miles is not a hundred mile race. The, no, the train's quite is quite rough and and it just isn't. It's just not the same. You can't treat it's just the same. You can't treat a hundred miler like two fifties. You can't treat a two hundred plus like it's two hundreds. It's just it's just no. not. It's just yeah. it's a different, totally different thing.
1: Yeah, absolutely, it is. And I think yeah, it's just having that mindset. And and I think for a lot of these races, it's for me when they get races go wrong it's not necessarily that they've gone wrong it's just that my expectations are different than the reality yes and so if i'd had the correct expectation of what i could achieve then the race wouldn't have gone wrong the race would have gone right and i'd have been happy you know so i I think it's that bit of having a realistic expectation and if you can't have that because it's your first race and you don't know what's going to happen just have the expectation that it will be slower and you're going to be slower and
0: if you do that i think you'll enjoy the race more yeah and at least onto one of my things which is enjoy it if th- things things will probably happen that will go wrong things have happened to us or things that haven't happened yet to us but enjoy it, 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 it ultras are normally done in areas of outstanding natural beauty um it's it, it, it that, that's the norm they are normally trails runs that people do because they like them it's not like a road race where you're just running around the center of a city looking at the same places you normally drive around it's not like that at all so Enjoy the experience for what it is. Don't beat yourself up about it. It will not pan out the way you expected. I think there's like a 1% chance that it will. I don't think any races panned out the way I thought it would. Some better. Mostly they're worse, though, than I thought it would be. Well, it is that
1: the the old, you know, military saying of, uh, you know, no plan survives first contact with the enemy. And in this this case, the the enemy is... The race, isn't it? Yeah. You know, and the course and, and what it does to you. So, yeah, I think you're totally right. You, you've got to go out there and enjoy it. And you'll enjoy it more if you set realistic expectations of what you can achieve. The thing, though, that you said, which I think absolutely rings true for me, is that in an ultra, you are going to have some properly dark moments. You know, I, I can run 5K and it can hurt. And, and I can be going, oh, but but it's over in you know twenty yeah. odd minutes and uh, and so I I don't bury myself in in uh, those really dark moments where you, when you're looking at you can't feel, you can't see how you're going to f- get to the end you know and so when you're training when I run a lot of the time when I run I my my training runs are easy or hard or whatever but I imagine myself doing well in a race I think if you're in a training run and the training run's not going so well try and think about how it's going to be in the race because you will feel like that probably in your ultra at some point and imagine how you're going to get yourself out of that dark place. And some of that comes with experience. You know, I know now when I go into a dark place that I will come out of the dark place. Yeah. But once, but And we've done an episode, you know, clearly the last episode on, you know, what, you know, what to do with the pain and that sort of thing. But I guess the point is training and accepting that you're going to go into a dark place is important and just
0: imagining that the race is going to go perfect, you're only setting yourself up for failure, really. Yeah, and that extends to another point, I think, where it's trained for the race. Um, that's part of the mental training for the race, but also the physical training for the race. Look at the terrain, look at the climb. Don't just kind of keep running around the block and then turn up at the start of a hilly mountain course. That, that's, that's not going to... it's not going to give you the experience and manage your expectations, but you just won't have... Learn your body won't have learned the skills of descending and climbing and your your muscles won't be worked out in the right way to give you yeah. any kind of performance so Correct. i know that quite often people don't live near the kind of the courses and you might have to travel a little bit from your home just to, to find a hill but but you know we we find road hills that have got similar angles and descents and you know parks on the edge of the city that have got hills in them that kind of replicate things and then occasionally we'll you know we'll drive out the city for an hour or so and find something that's similarish um yeah a- absolutely but i and i think you're absolutely
1: right but finding that terrain that's similar i think is really important as well i mean you know i'm constantly surprised and i shouldn't be but i'm constantly surprised about how much slower i run on a any piece of trail than i do on tarmac. Yeah. And I shouldn't be surprised at that, but even if it's a flat trail or a flat piece of ground and not tarmac, I will always run slower.
0: Yeah. And it feels the same. It feels like I'm running the same speed, but I'm not. I'm running slower than I am on tarmac. I think it's partly because your head's having to do a lot of work, isn't it? If you're running down a road, you you, you know that there's going to be no real bumps in it or awkward turns and awkward angles. Yeah, every single foot. Um, on a trail can be at a weird angle, dodging mud, uh, simultaneously ducking under a branch. You know, he's just doing that all the time, quite often. Um, and, and, and that just constantly kind of, um, you know, will, will slow you up from just, you know, head down, put one foot in the other and keep going like you would do on a road. I think you're absolutely right.
1: And you you said just now about, you know, sort of planning and training for the race. And, you know, we've, we've said that a couple of times during this podcast. I, I think one of the things to think about is your logistics and your kit. So most ultras will have a mandatory kit list. I'm just about to do Race to the Stones. There is no mandatory kit list. I think it's the first race I have ever done that has not got a mandatory kit list. But there'll be a mandatory kit list. Have a look at that list. You clearly have got to carry all of that stuff. Think about how serious you want to be for your race. Because, for example, when it says you've got to carry a waterproof jacket and waterproof trousers... You can buy a combination waterproof jacket, waterproof trousers that will weigh under 200 grams. Or you can use the kit you've currently got that you've been using that's really hard wearing because you use it all the time that weighs 800 grams. So I think there needs to be a little bit in that where you think about what you want to achieve and how much you're willing to invest in the Ultra. But on top of that, then you need to think about, well, there's the mandatory kit. I've got to carry that. What else do I need to carry to make myself feel comfortable, not necessarily physically, but mentally, depending on where you're going. Because there's a difference between an ultra, you know, at one end, which is, you know, a, a track ultra. Yeah. You know, where you're just running around a 400 meter track or where you're going into the middle of nowhere where there's not a lot of roads and where, where people can get to you. So how much kit do you carry for safety? Have a really good look and think about how much you need to carry. Don't beat yourself up for carrying a lot of kit if it's going to make you feel comfortable mentally, because. That mental happiness that you'll feel when you're running the ultra will mean that you'll actually probably run quite well. If you're constantly worried about oh, what's going to happen, I'm not sure I've got enough kit that will detract from your race and how you perform physically as well. So don't carry too much kit that if you can, you know, think about what you need to carry as a minimum to make you happy mentally that you're safe and, and go enjoy your race and carry that kit
0: realistically i think most people as as we did you'll start your first races with a mixture of things you've bought for it and then things you've just got you know we've always been upgrading our kit slowly race by race haven't we oh i need a new top i need this you know i i would urge people not to go out and spend a fortune know, uh, it's, it's not that expensive a sport from a equipment perspective relatively speaking to, to 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 lots but it still adds up quite a lot and if you did go out and buy the best pack the best shoes um the, the best jacket the best this the best that you would end up spending the probably possibly even up to you know couple of thousand if you're not careful yeah um and i don't think and most, most people don't do that you, you turn no. up with a kind of a decent enough pack but probably um and then and then some shoes and then you build out from there yeah i think it comes to
1: you know looking at the race again and looking what's gonna you know how far the air stations are what the terrain's like and making sure that you yeah take what you need to take to make yourself have a good race but don't take more than that you know again know, we we've, i've run some races where there's people wearing yeah, you know, with twenty five litre rucksacks on their back. Yeah. And, a, and, a, and I've got my UD race vest with a space blanket and two bottles in it and a and a phone. Because yeah. because, you know, it's it's all really close to civilization. There's aid stations really regularly, you know. And don't get me wrong, as I said, if that makes them happy, then great. But I suspect if they'd done a bit of research and thought about their logistics, they wouldn't have carried all that kit. Yeah. Certainly. In, in the first mile they might have been happy with carrying all that kit by the time they got to mile 30 they were
0: a lot less happy with carrying all that kit yeah and i wouldn't be tempted to wear i've occasionally seen it where people have worn some very strange outfits like a marathon kind of thing and it's like just don't just don't do it it's hard enough already you don't want to be dressed like a clown necessarily i know some people are raising money for charity but if it's your first ultra crikey blimey don't
1: yeah don't don't, don't run it don't, don't run your first ultra carrying a washing machine <laughs> yeah, or a weekend. banana costume or something semi- <laughs> um yeah yeah i have to say yeah a small thing aside i've probably told you this one before um in my first marathon in the last mile someone went past me wearing a seven foot high ant costume <laughs> made out of foam and honestly and the and the Irrational or rational, whichever way you look at it. Feeling in my head that I just wanted to knock them down and trip them <laughs> up, you know, because you're suffering so badly. This person breezes past you in a massive it's trans- <laughs> Just awful, just awful. Um, oh my God. So look, um, I guess the next one that I was going to talk about is is maybe more of a trail race thing than an ultra thing, but I think I've felt it more in ultra races. Is that the term marked course? Can mean many different things, yes and so if you don't know the course and you're not aware of how they're going to mark it or it's, that it is marked, just be aware of that, and you know the two examples I'll give are squamish fifty fifty where there was a like a, le- a little metal pegs wire pegs with a, a pink flag on top of them, on average, every ten meters for a 50 mile course yeah yeah right that is what i would call a very 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 well very course. Yeah, <laughs> extremely never seen that in the yeah. uk yeah and then i flip that back to things like for example the heart of wales ultra that i did where it's on a trail so and that trail is marked by sort of national trail markers but uh, you, they're not that often and you can miss them but it was it was you know it was listed as a marked course but if you didn't have a gpx file with you uh, you were really going to struggle mm-hmm. i think and so yeah. just understand what they mean by a marked course and um, they they can vary massively
0: yeah and and even in beyond that i mean there's a number of races which are just unmarked and and a lot of them also uh follow like trails don't they national trail lines and yeah, stuff exactly that we would call them in the UK. But the signage isn't necessarily that consistent. No, it's... Um uh, and there tends to be bits of drop offs. Uh, and the, normally the race organizers will say, best bring a map, but just manage your expectations that there might be a bit where you go wrong. Pay attention. Just keep it, you know, you are following the trail marks, but just keep that, it, just be following it along on the map occasionally. Um, cause all of a sudden you can think, hang on, I haven't seen anything for three miles. Jesus, well, hang on, have I missed something? And oh, that's a sinking feeling.
1: <laughs> yeah. And trail markers can get moved. So the, mm. the marathon I did recently. Literally, I got to a left-right junction, a T-junction in the track, and it said to go left. So I followed it, and then my watch beeped, and it said, you're off course. And when I looked at it, the the trail marker had been turned around somehow by the wind or by somebody else. Mm. And literally, it should have been turned right, not left. So, you know, just, just be aware of that. And especially as ultras, as you've said before, go through areas of outstanding attribute. They go into i'll call it the wilderness in the uk you don't really get wilderness but you do another place in the world and so yeah you just need to be aware of that And i don't want to put anybody off from doing an ultra by saying that, no but but at the same time it's just something to be aware of that you need to just make sure you know what what the course is if you can recce it brilliant but if not just be aware of that and again take steps to make sure that you feel comfortable and happy when you're running it
0: yeah yeah on the training side of things, also say it's worth doing some prep, looking at the course um, on a map, looking at it with some modern tools, maybe Google Earth and things like that. Um, especially if you can't get to the course in advance just 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 you know don't, i mean i know do, i do a lot of analysis like that but but just just look at the hills look at the distances look at the the cutoffs do a little bit of prep work around okay well, what kind of pace do i kind of need here and uh, being and you anthony will do quite a lot of work in that and we enjoy looking at that those kind of aspects but some races the cutoffs will be uh, that they, they will expect you to slow down so they'll have compensated so if you are like half an hour ahead of the cutoffs you might stay all the way like that to the finish other races you might get two hours ahead but actually they've just equally spaced the cutoffs across the whole length of the course and all of a sudden everyone at the end is having their having their buffer being chewed into and what you thought was comfortable it is not comfortable at all you know like um thames path and stuff like that you know those ones they just they just don't spread them out in a way where people wouldn't actually flag so everyone builds up a buffer but it turns out that like three or four buffers ain't enough and <laughs> 12 hours later that's all gone and you're right you know as you said doing those those
1: preparations and making sure that you know what's gonna happen in the race again means you'll have a more comfortable and happy
0: race because you'll it's all awareness it's all knowledge and that's always a good thing yeah you know just doing a bit just spending like an evening thinking about it and looking at it it, it, it you don't want to be caught out by a gotcha and we have where we've not really looked at the uh, the cutoffs or something else then all of a sudden you're just running a race and all of a sudden it just goes goes to pot and so I didn't realize that that don't be that person and we've both been that person so just trying to say don't let it happen to you and, and you might run a race where you end up you know racing the cutoffs
1: and, and that might be the case and those are the races actually that you should so i think in some ways enjoy more because they're pushing you and, and mm. stretching you
0: i'm always racing. i'm always racing the
1: cars yeah I, I, I i'm rarely racing the cutoffs but i have done and and those are the races where i've kind of in some ways enjoyed them. i felt, I felt a greater feeling of satisfaction by beating those cutoffs than i do in the ones yeah. where i beat them easily There's a couple of bits that are, I think, very ultra specific that we probably want to talk about. And those are things that happen just from being out and doing things for longer and longer and longer. So the first one is the longer you run or once you get into a big, long ultra territory, your feet will swell. And that tends to happen more width ways than it does lengthways. So just consider that, that if you've trained for four hours in your shoes and they feel great, they might not feel great after eight or 10 hours. I'm not there's not necessarily anything you can do about that but it's just knowing that that's going to happen hmm. and I would say if your if your shoes are snug both front to back and left and right you might want to think about having a less snug shoe if you're running a long ultra
0: yes and because of that um and other reasons like your feet getting moist um sweating etc is you're going to pick up some kind of foot damage most people will it's not necessarily, but I'd I think like in a race, like you know, seventy, eighty percent of people are, uh, are managing some issues around their foot. So, so expect that you're going to have to do that. Expect that you, you, okay, might not happen in a in a fifty k, but certainly when you're up into the hundred k plus, you're almost certainly going to have to at some point take your shoes off, change your socks, put some. Put some foot care on, you know, cut a toenail edge, which is suddenly starting to dig into the neighbouring toe or something. There's going to be some things you have to do. So just think about that and think, well, what have I got? You know, I know I'm not a fan of compete or anything because uh, they tend to be a short-term fix and a long-term pain and can cause their own problems. Look, look at the different things that you could put on your feet and you just expect to have to do a little bit and have some some of the basic tools just just to do that.
1: There is a reason that a lot of races have... A small first aid kit including blister management as mandatory kit yeah you know there's a reason that they do that and they want you to get to the end and i I would suggest that if a race has mandatory kit on it and you've got to carry it make sure you're happy in how you're going to use it yeah because there's no point in carrying mandatory kit that you can't use and there's a reason they're telling you to carry
0: it so make sure you're happy using it and and as we've referred to it before but the fill my run chap steve cousins steve cousins yeah on one of his transvolcanias and he gets towards the end of the course and there's a big steep downhill and he ends up having to walk it backwards because he forgot to cut his toenails
1: well and yeah and his, and his quads do fall to pieces but yeah yes, he yeah
0: that's to toenails but you know th- small little things can be a massive issue yes people are like oh you can just run through that if you're in that you know you can easily be in that much pain <laughs> and it, you can't run through it yeah no, you can run through it if it's a
1: 5k race you can't run through it when it's a yeah 50k race or a 100k race i think it's much yeah. more difficult other things that happen as you go longer you are clearly going to sweat more and i don't mean you know you're clearly pumping out more sweat so there's two things that are important that, there one start drinking early you need to be putting down probably at least 500 mils an hour and if you're not doing that you're going to dehydrate. And dehydrating is fine to a point where you're running a shorter race, even a marathon, you can dehydrate to a certain extent and still get to the end. But once you're starting to hit in the ultra marathon distances, you literally won't get to the end if you don't drink enough to keep managing your dehydration. On top of which, of course, it can get dangerous. You, Yeah, a bottle an hour, I would suggest, is what most people will be sweating and therefore need to be drinking.
0: I mean, I, I don't drink as much as you, and that's just body temperament and stuff isn't it we know that from all the races we've done but but i think the general guidance which i kind of like is it if you're not peeing at all then that's you know ask yourself are you taking on enough water um yeah and if it comes out the color of coke you're probably not yeah. drinking enough either i don't tend to pee too much on a on an ultra but if i've if i've doing like 100 i i've not peed at all or something like that you'd start i'd start to get worried that hang on a minute am i am i not taking on enough
1: well, yeah, I mean, when we did Transalcarnia, I, I knew I probably wasn't doing it. I only peed twice during a 12-hour race. Mm. And both times I did, it was, yeah, you know, dark, orange, you know. And I was putting down a lot of liquid. But also, talking about that, so sweating. Sweating means salt, and salt means chafing, which on a short run you probably won't get. But I definitely have experienced the excruciating pain of chafing ass where you know you're literally your buttocks rubbing together with salt nice and rubbing themselves raw and chafing in other areas so i always carry a little packet of uh, vaseline with me but in my longer runs now i've literally started carrying a small tub and every time i go to the toilet or if i stop to go to the toilet i think I'm relubing myself to make sure that i get through to the end and, and again that's one of those things i probably didn't need to do it but it makes me feel happy yeah not 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 because I'm leaving myself, but because it makes me feel confident that I can get to the end without chafing. Yeah. So, again, it's just to do with the volume of sweat that you're
0: pumping out. So I don't tend to chafe, but I would never do an ultra without um, some Vaseline. And I normally just wrap it in a small piece of tin foil. It weighs grams. It's literally nothing. Yeah. There might be all kind of areas where you rub and it's not necessarily because of sweat and salt. It could just be that it's a, f- a friction point. So other reasons, but, but just gets you don't need to take a tub or anything. Just take a, literally a spoonful. I put it in some tin foil. I just close it up. It gets all mushy, but it doesn't, it doesn't necessarily matter. Just replace it after the race and just stick it in your first aid kit or whatever, which is normally mandatory. Uh, and then you've got something. If something starts to rub, you don't need much of the stuff. Um, and I'd also say on that sweat means salt, which means you need to replace the salt. Yeah. Uh, and therefore eating food, normal food can help with that replacement or or you can, there's obviously supplements where you can put it into drinks to replace salt, but at least be, be thinking about where am I getting my salt from? If you're just drinking straight water and it's not isotonic or this, that and the other, or you're not eating real food, you might then start to have salt issues, which I know the science of cramps is kind of complicated and still not well understood, but a lack of salt is typically one of the signs of when, when you, you know, one of the symptoms, sorry, of a lack of salt is cramping up and things like that. Uh, and well, other yeah, issues. So. absolutely.
1: Well, we, and we talked earlier about food and eating. And I think one of the things we didn't touch on, but is important is get used to eating food when you're running and, and, and doing that and, and making sure your body is used to having to do that because trying to just do it in a race is quite difficult. So, train your body to accept that when you're running and doing physical ex- exertion that it will have to eat that can mean all sorts of things that can mean real food that can mean gels you know practice with your gels because you uh, it's easy after one mile or an hour but after 10 hours it's much more difficult so and the more you can train your body the
0: better it will be yeah it's normally for me during that 10 12 hours you just won't want another gel um <clears throat> so it depends on the length of the race you're doing and um,
1: but forcing yourself to do it can make a big difference you know yeah and, however sick you feel still trying to eat will make a big difference
0: and i i do think that doing as we mentioned him already jameel curry you know eating a burrito while you're running or things like that i don't think that's realistic for most of us i've never done that level of eating uh some people do but just be able to kind of nibble at something and uh you know is it's is a good skill to have
1: well absolutely and the amount of people you see doing a bob graham round who eat pizza after leg four before they do leg five is it's is huge there's loads of people have pizzas sort of de- yeah have, they're ready for them things like that because you need that real food yeah. and you will just get hungry you will just yeah you know genuine hunger and there is a bit if you're if you're running and i'll say within yourself that sounds like you're not putting in maximum effort but if, if you're running a well paced race the chances are you will feel hungry because in the sort of mid stages of the race because you won't be thrashing yourself to pieces and your body will want those calories from a personal perspective, if you're a contact lens wearer, you know, if you're running a long ultra, those contact lenses will dry out. And so I would suggest that you have some kind of strategy on how you're going to deal with that. Um, it might be that your contact lenses don't dry out. But I said, if you're running for 24 hours, most people don't have their contacts in for 24 hours. Yeah. So have a strategy of how you could do that. And, and there are there are obvious ones. Fain doesn't run in his contacts because he finds that, that his eyes dry out a lot. So he's got prescription glasses that that he uses for running. I do run in my contacts. But if I'm running a really long race, I will sometimes change them halfway through. Or sometimes I will use eye drops to um keep my eyes moist and good. So, again, that's maybe a little bit niche and bespoke, but worth thinking about it. That something that yeah. wouldn't happen in a marathon, but might happen in a long ultra.
0: Yeah um something for post event is if you're not expecting it um there's all kinds of things that might happen and i kind of enjoy it a bit i think i think maybe we all do cuz you've you've probably put in an awful lot of effort and it's probably if it's first ultra it's probably the the not necessarily um you could have been doing Ironmans and all kinds of weird stuff but but it's probably going to affect you more than anything else has as an event um so don't be surprised if you struggle to walk the day afterwards or even up to you know three days afterwards don't be surprised if you have to go to work wearing some really loose trainers rather than your shoes i've had to do that on quite a few occasions and people go oh it's a bit weird even open toed sandals
1: no socks i'm really sorry no socks so uh, let's have some rules here no <laughs> socks with your open toed sandals people it's just
0: wrong it's yeah. just wrong getting up and down stairs as well and holding the banisters and oh yeah uh, there's, there's all kinds of things and, and the more you do the easier it becomes but there's there's all kinds of things that you might struggle with Get, just getting out of bed ultra
1: sweats the ultra sweats. yeah if you've run a really long event you can your body is trying to repair itself at night and you can literally work out having soaked your bed to the point where you think you might have wet yourself but
0: you haven't it's just your body sweating and pumping out i think that's normally at the really extreme end so i'm guessing for people's first ultras that's unlikely to happen um but it I could know, i mean some it could some people could, like, if some people doing 100 miler for their first ultra i can believe they did that would happen yeah yeah that's when you've really damaged yourself i can't remember what the count is isn't it but they measure something in your blood for the amount of damage you've done and in long ultras it can be you know at, at trauma levels if not exceeding massive trauma levels that they measure in hospitals when people have been in major accidents you, you get huge i can't remember the, what they what it's called but yeah they, they can measure that in your blood and you've got so much damage that your body's just working overtime trying to fix it so don't be surprised by any of that stuff but but in some ways, it's kind of like, you know, that's your kind of, I consider it almost like your, um, your medal in a way, isn't it? Um, <laughs> there's no denying that you did it. You've earned it.
1: You've earned you that, you <laughs> that Yeah, absolutely.
0: One thing you
1: put in the notes here is about running with other people. You know, ultra running can be quite sociable, can't it? You know, and, you yeah. know, and, yeah, and there's a shared camaraderie of what you're putting yourself through. And, and, and the effort level and, and things. And so people might want to talk to you. You might want to talk to other people. And that's fine and good. But also some people might not want to talk to you and you might not want to talk to other people. And it's just having that understanding that people aren't being rude if they don't want to talk to you. But, you know, they could be in that pain cave and just need to, and what they need to do is concentrate on themselves to get themselves through. And you might do the same or you might just, be one of those people that doesn't really enjoy talking to people when you're running yeah. and that's fine too and so i guess the thing is if someone talks to you you don't really want to talk to them just say to them I, i'm re- I'm really sorry i just need to concentrate on my running and most of them go "Oh, i'm really sorry that's fine you know that yeah they, they, they might have thought they were helping you
0: by talking to you so yeah there's also cultural differences as well i think you know obviously we, we run in the uk and people tend to be a bit more chatty in some cultures and countries it's not that's not the norm at all they won't tend to talk i've noticed that where i've gone training in uh in a particular country and just just running around the roads people are like you know won't nod won't say hello won't say anything you know it, there's lots of reasons so don't take it personally i, w- I would say in you know like 50 percent of people will be like oh hi yeah and, and everyone will normally acknowledge people i find when they go past yeah. just say hi and and just kind of say something and and carry on and and some people you know 50 percent of people will be like oh how's it going and want to kind of a bit of a conversation maybe that's just for a couple of minutes and maybe they maybe uh, they want to talk for a lot longer but but other people 50 percent of people will just not want to engage and and that's absolutely fine because they're managing their own race they've got their own things to do they might be they you know it might look like they're taking it really seriously and professionally but they might be in a world of pain and they just the last thing they want to do is talk to you, and it's nothing about you. It, yeah, it, it's about it's about them and what they're trying to manage. And we've we've been that person as well, haven't we, Anthony? So yeah, it, do not take it personally at at all. And it's, it's, sometimes it's difficult not to take offence, but try not to. You know, it might be, you know, it's fine. But it's like first person I'd seen in like twelve hours and they didn't want to talk and literally it was like oh how's it going and i was just like you know yeah you know, really struggling and all the rest of it and stuff and and all they do is kind of like just block you and it's like my god you know and and it, it can hurt but but that they're doing their own thing and you you just got to respect that
1: yeah and i don't think that's usual i think as you said most people will at least say hi and stuff and then hopefully they've got the confidence to turn around and say like, i really just need to concentrate on myself now yes and, yeah exactly
0: yeah and don't don't be afraid of well of saying to other people because i've caught you know i i tend to be a little bit chatty and if people talk to me i find it's rude not to talk back yeah and i've done some races with people which have gone really you know really well and we spent like it's one of the you know, days together and that was great um but but quite often you know your paces will be different and, and you do occasionally just you do have to say look I'm i'm going to run on a bit i'm sorry uh we've chatted for like you know sometimes like several hours normally you know in a a long race ultra like maybe 100k you might spend like three times with three different people speaking for three hours and almost changing life stories but but don't be afraid of saying look i i you know i've got got a bit more running in my legs at the moment or or i'm slowing you down please go on You, you have don't tie don't tether your race solidly to one person because you feel you're being rude of moving on because you might trash your race or you might trash theirs so just just be honest and it's tough i know i struggle with this but you just you just just be nice and polite and and do what you need to do
1: yes so a, a lot of the things we've talked about in some ways have been what i think of as negative things yeah you know you've got to remember to do this you've got to do this you've got to do that so I'd like to finish on a couple of positive ones. The first one leading on from what we just talked about is that ultras just feel more friendly, I think, than shorter races because you have that time to talk because you're running slower. Yeah, I think ultras are more friendly than other races. I don't think I'm not sure I wish I'd known that before I did it, but it's I guess I love it was a lovely surprise about just how nice people were and chatty. I'd never had that in a race before, literally never, until I started mm. running long at Ultra Trail. And so that's really, uh, you know, a really good thing. And then the last one I was going to say is things I wish I'd known before I ran ultras. only because I probably would have done it sooner, is all of the things we've talked about again in this podcast are tough things that you're going to go through, things that are going to make your race difficult. And so the flip side of that is, the high of finishing an ultra is unbelievable. I think the high I feel—you know—that rush of completing an ultra, and and the feeling I got when I finished my first ultra—it was just amazing, absolutely amazing. And I wish I'd known that before I'd done it because I'd have done it sooner. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. And and I—I've heard a, f- a number of people say this. It's, it's weird, isn't it? I. It's th- 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 that kind of really kind of warm feeling and that immense satisfaction you feel normally happens before the finish line. It's at that point where you realize you're going to finish it. I find which is normally like, you know, half an hour beforehand, but any, either way that that whole, that whole kind of, um, the rush, the feeling of it, um, is really nice. Yeah. And, and all this, you know, you have to put a fair bit of effort into the planning of the ultras and things, and therefore you're more committed. And as a result of that, you you get a more sense of achievement because you've had to do more planning than you would have had to have done in a in a road race. We kind of get out of the car, put your trainers on and go. There's a lot of logistics. There's lot, lots of things.
1: I think in the shorter races that there's probably for most people, there's no doubt on those shorter races that they're going to finish. Uh, apart bar, barring some you know obvious thing like they trip over and break their leg or you know yeah whereas in an ultra you know you've, you've never probably trained the distance because you don't it's just too long and so there is a genuine bit in that that you might not finish it's not just i might not finish in the time i want you genuinely might not finish and so i think there is a, that added rush of completion yeah, not just completion in time, but just just the unknown of com- whether you're going
0: to complete or not. Yeah, the whole satisfaction of having pushed yourself to do something new. Um, yeah, longest you've ever run. Yeah, absolutely. It's a great it's a great feeling of satisfaction, and it's a great feeling of I think feeling human. Um, I think any of these long endurance kind of sports and activities give you a sense of of well being. I I, th- I think so. I think around you're using your body mentally and physically and pushing it a lot further and i I think that's a very homo sapien kind of feeling so we've talked about it before haven't we so i don't want to go on about it but well no but you've talked about it a lot
1: before about how there's something very primal about running really long distances And and i think you're absolutely right you know, and I and that's that feeling of satisfaction. You're all, you're almost doing something that you're built to do, but you don't now normally do. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. You've taken yourself back to your core of your being. And that's where that huge rush comes from, I think. You know, if if you're thinking about do I want to do an ultra? I don't think you and I can overstate enough that feeling of achievement of of putting yourself in the place where I don't know. I can't, well,
0: no, right I, I, I know it's just worth worth talking about because I I think that's the reason why I try to get people to do ultras and things. I mean, I'm not going around saying it to everyone, but I, th- I think if you know when you're talking to a friend or something or an acquaintance and you mention it and you go, "Oh, you should do a first ultra," I think it ultimately boils down to that. I think it's because I want them to feel those kind of feelings. And I don't know where else I would get it other than doing some equivalent sport. But I, I, I genuinely want people to f- to feel those feelings of being human at, at a much more base level. So one other thing
1: I want to talk to you about is people talk about types of fun. You know, and so type one fun is something that you enjoy while you're doing it. OK, and then there's type two fun, which is something you really don't enjoy while you're doing it, but you enjoy it in retrospect, that feeling of satisfaction. And what I would say is that for me, ultras, as I go on through the ultra, I, I move from type one to type two. Yes. But again, it's knowing that and knowing. So when I'm in that type two place in my head, I picture myself after the race and how i will feel but just realize that the race won't necessarily be enjoyable while you're doing it and if you're the type of person that has to have enjoyment while you're doing it and can't have enjoyment post something from a feeling of satisfaction
0: ultras probably are not for you yeah it's not like eating chocolate is it no.
1: <laughs> oh, there you go. There you go. I think mean, I might use that as the, the title for this podcast Ultras. It's not like eating chocolate. <laughs> so, on that bombshell, the ultras are not like eating chocolate. Let's wrap it up. Thanks very much, Louise, for um, suggesting the episode. And if anyone else has got any episode suggestions, and then please ping them to us. You can send them to us on Twitter and on Instagram at Runners on Trail. You can email us at runnersontrail at gmail.com. So look, I hope that's helped. Uh, and let's give you some food to thought if you're about to run your first ultras. So we'll be back. I'd say soon, but you all know that, that isn't necessarily true. But we will be back. Whether you're running an ultra, a 5 k, a 10k or anything else, have a great running season. Take care.
0: And enjoy the trails.
1: Runners on trails.